Have you texted, written, emailed, or received an affectionate thank you lately? The letter of Philippians was Paul's thank you letter to the Church of Philippi. How relevant is this letter? Consider these questions to demonstrate its relevance. Is it easy to live out your faith in Jesus? Where are you going for true joy? Where will you find meaning and purpose in life? Do you need deep and encouraging Christian friendships? Does your church need to grow in strength, wisdom, and knowledge? For the answers to the above questions and many more, read this letter with the Mount Olive family. The Bible study series, Welcome to Philippians, begins Tuesday, September 13th at noon and Wednesday, September 14th at 7 p.m. Praise the Lord and welcome to a noonday uh, Bible study. We are back. Welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed your break, uh, your reading, your relaxation, uh, vacationing, all of that. Uh, we are back and God has definitely sustained us and we're excited to, to come back and finish out uh, this year uh, in a big way. Uh, so all of our guests, all of our friends who are joining us, Mount Island, let's welcome them. Uh, let's uh, demonstrate our joy and our excitement to have them studying uh, this particular letter uh, of Philippians. We're going to go deep. Uh, we hope to um, finish this last quarter with this particular uh, book. It's a short book. It's a short letter. But it has so much to say to us. It speaks to every area of our lives, and some have wrestled with what is the overall theme of uh, this particular letter, so we'll mention several um, as we, we go deeper. Uh, but again, welcome. Uh, We're, again, excited to have you. Uh, we missed you, and uh, we're back. Uh, just uh, a couple of announcements, and then we'll, we'll begin. Um, the blood drive will be here on Thursday. Don't forget the blood drive will be here on Thursday, uh, the 15th, from noon until 6. And again, let's uh, get the word out. Uh, let's support. Let's participate as best we can. Again, blood drive on Thursday from noon until 6. And, and then I want to share with you, we're going to try a new format for noonday and Wednesday night. Today and tomorrow will be the only sessions where we share the same information. Going forward, starting next week, Tuesday will be uh, considered as a recap session that will prepare you for the Wednesday night session. Wednesday night will be the only night where you're getting new information. Tuesdays again will simply be a recap of the, the lesson so that uh, whatever, if noon has always been your time, you can watch it at noon. Um, if not, you can get it the rest of the day. Again, the Bible studies are archived, and we'll have those available. Uh, so again, we want to use Tuesday after today as a time to prepare us for what is going to be presented on Wednesday night. Wednesday nights will be live. Wednesday night will be new material. And um, Tuesday will simply be a recap. So today and tomorrow, same information. Going forward, however, Tuesdays will be the recap of the previous lesson. 
Wednesday will be the new uh, information for where we are and that. So we're going to try that and see and see how that works. So spread the word, um, and we'll, we'll see we'll see how this works. The book of Philippians or the letter of Philippians. Again, there are several major themes, and this is going to be a Bible study. We're going to study, uh, in this case, a letter, the letter of Philippians, the letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christians at Philippi. So we're not studying a book about the Bible. We're literally studying the Bible itself. If I could redo anything uh, as a pastor, I, I would do more uh, studying of the Bible as opposed to topics that the Bible addresses. Uh, that way we are becoming more and more familiar uh, with the Bible itself. Um, and so we're going to do several of these uh, going forward. We want to dig into the actual letters, the actual books, the, the, uh, the narratives, the history. We really want to go as deep as we possibly can so that we'll be Bible savvy and not just several topics uh, from the Bible. Okay, So uh, we're, gonna, we're actually going to walk through uh, this particular uh, letter. But how do we begin? Uh, what is the relevance of, of this particular letter? In the video, an outstanding job media is always of putting the material together. Thank you so much. We raised several questions in terms of uh, where we are and how we're viewing life as it relates to, to being followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to address uh, those particular questions because here again, this letter speaks to every area um, of our lives. And so the first question we raise, is it challenging to live out your faith? Yes, it is. Uh, anyone um, who uh, is devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the kingdom's agenda, understands uh, living out your faith uh, is a challenge. And sometimes it appears as if before you were committed, devoted, and wanting to live out uh, a life of discipline, um, it wasn't as challenging. And so it, it's, it's a challenge. And so I want you to write this particular passage down as we read it. Um, of the first chapter of Philippians, uh, verse uh, 21, I believe it is. And listen to what Paul, what Paul says here. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so what Paul is literally saying, uh, that as long as I'm alive, Christ is being seen, uh, but the more he is seen, the less I am seen, and that's a challenge. And with that, there are other challenges. And it's kind of what John talked about, uh, having to decrease that Christ might increase. And so by human nature, by human nature, it's all about us. Uh, but 
when we become followers of Christ, it's no longer about us, but it does, in fact, involve us. And we have to know what God is calling for, what God is, is beckoning, how God is, is uh, reaching out to us, and what is required of us. So that question, is it challenging to live out your faith? Yes, it is. And so uh, that's the common denominator that we all share. Uh, we're all in this together. That is how we can encourage one another in the faith because it's a challenge to live out our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're not the only one who's going through. We all are going through, and it is making us more effective witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a second question that we raised in the video, and that is, you have it on your handout there. Thank you, admin. Where are you going for joy? Now, you know, joy is not naturally manufactured. It is not. You know, uh, you know happiness, we're not talking about happiness. Happiness, by and large, is based upon what is happening, what is taking place in our lives, what is taking place with our families, what is taking work place with our careers, what is taking place in our world. What is taking place, you know, with our health? I mean, the, all of that speaks to happiness. But Paul here, he is, he is talking about this spirit-produced joy. You can't manufacture it. I can't manufacture it. And there are a lot of people who are happy, but they are not joyful. They are not filled with the joy of the Lord. And happiness has an expiration date on it. Again, long as I like what is taking place, long as things are going well from my vantage point, then I'm the best person to be around. But as we all know, things happen. Life happens. And so this word joy is, is mentioned throughout uh, this particular letter. In fact, some scholars suggest Basically, what this letter is about is uh, serving Jesus uh, with joy uh, or, the, or the type of service uh, that honors Jesus. And so it, this, this word joy is just throughout. And, and again, it is not, not human-produced. It is spirit-produced. So, so here again, you know, we often look for joy. We, we, we often try to find it in things and it's not there. It, it was never meant to be there. He's talking about spirit produced joy. So again, where are you going uh, for joy? Here's a passage, uh, the second chapter of, of this letter, uh, verses 17 and 18. And here Paul is talking about the challenges of, of, of leading these people, preaching to them, writing, just, just being a Christian, period. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering 
upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. It's this, this service that we are a part of, uh, it, it is a service that speaks to, this is not, we don't have this disposition that says, I got to serve God. No, we have a disposition that says, I get to serve God. And so where are you going for your joy? Again, this is, and we'll say more about this throughout the letter because it is there. It is spirit-produced joy. This is what the world cannot, this is what the world cannot have apart from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. He is there, He is present, and He is working in us daily. And so this is Spirit-produced joy. A third question, where will you find meaning and purpose in life? You know, God God uses everything that he creates. Uh, he affirms some things. He confirms some things. But there's nothing like his word. Nothing like his word. And so we need to, to know that, that God has created us for a purpose. Uh, every person has a purpose. And so what a, what a boring life to, to live and try to be like someone else who is living out their purpose, and we try to manufacture their purpose for our own, and we miss out on the joy, the adventure, uh, the, the experience of, of having lived a life that is unique. It is a life that no one else has lived. No one can live your life for you, and uh, no one else can live, you know, you can't live anyone else's life. No, we, and we don't have to be that. We learn from others. We can have role models. We can have mentors and all of that, but God has not created you to live out somebody else's life. So where do you go? I mean, how, how do you walk in purpose? How do you how do you pursue it? Uh, well, the Bible speaks to the fact that as we live for God, our purpose pursues us. Uh, it, it, you can't outrun your purpose. There are several basic um, um, factors that, that take place in the life of every believer this is the process of discipleship. We are being discipled. And as we're being discipled, as we're participating in disciple-making, the purpose, the purpose reveals itself. So, so listen to, to what, what is mentioned here. Uh, chapter 1, media, verse uh, number 6. I love this verse. This is, this is perhaps a uh, verse of my life. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. And I am sure of this, that he, that is God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you don't have to beat your head against a wall trying to find it out. No, it's God's, it's God's assignment. It's God's responsibility to reveal that purpose. Ours is to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And as we present ourselves daily, we, we offer ourselves to him. He begins and he continues and he, it, it, it consummates, it concludes uh, at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we see him face to face, we would have finished our God-created purpose. But until then, it is constantly being revealed. And, and, and it is something that takes place. It, it, it happens as we offer ourselves to him. So, so uh, it, it's good that people have a desire, they're passionate about purpose and meaning, but, but, but don't try to find it from everywhere else and everyone else other than God, God's word. So Paul helps us there. Another question we, we raise, and this all speaks to the, the relevancy of, of this particular letter. Uh, do you need deep and encouraging Christian friendships? You know, the Bible, I think it's in Proverbs, I think it is. It talks about iron sharpens iron. And, and I want to ask you a question that I have to ask myself. How many, how many iron sharpeners do you have in your life? You can't be the only one shining everybody else's iron or sharpening everybody else's iron. You need to have people in your life who they are sharpening your iron. You got to have those balanced relationships. Um, this keeps us from being drained. It keeps us from being overwhelmed. It, it, it helps us to be accountable. It is challenging. It, you know, we, we get to have others pour into us, and we're not always pouring into others. We need those relationships. Um, because if you're not careful, you, you will always uh, be on E, always depleting yourself, always. But you need to be poured into. So we need those those strong relationships. We need those people that we can go to for wisdom and knowledge and understanding and accountability. Iron sharpens iron. And so we all need uh, those deep and encouraging Christian friendships. Now look at the, the second chapter, um, uh, verses 13, 13 and 14. Listen, listen to what, what he says here. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure and do all things without grumbling or disputing and now he's going on he's going to be talking about obviously unity but but this is this this is this is what he's talking about here in terms of of the solid and solid we mean christian friendships deep abiding relationships and then lastly, talking about the church, we need to grow in strength and wisdom and knowledge and unity and love. Absolutely. Absolutely we need that. And so uh, you can look at uh, chapter 4, uh, verses uh, 1 
1 and 2. Therefore, therefore, my sisters and brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. Uh, thus, uh, in, in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat uh, uh, Euodia, and I entreat uh, Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And here Paul is talking here about these two sisters, females, that is, in terms of relationships and wanting them to work together, wanting them to be on the same team, wanting them to be one accord, wanting them, you know, to focus on unity and not necessarily uniformity. Uh, there is diversity. You know, we, we not again not trying to be like or as someone else. No, but bringing it all together uh, such that we're growing uh, together in unity and we're learning from each other and we're leaning on each other. We're learning from each other in terms of wisdom. We're leaning on each other in terms of strength. No one falls because everyone is so close together, growing together and going in the same direction. And so every congregation whose doors stand open in the name of the risen Christ, um, this, this letter is quite, quite relevant. And, and here we will see this as we continue to go through. Then you see this statement of summation. Philippians answers questions about every area of your life. Personal, professional, communal, you have it. It, it speaks to that. So um, hopefully as we, we dig and go deeper, um, you'll, you'll receive um, revelation. So how, how, how did this church start? How, how did it uh, commence? What was its beginning uh, like? And again, we're, we're studying the Bible. We're studying this particular letter. Um, and we have to, as a basis, uh, because it's how it's... Uh, where, where it's, it speaks to the formation of this particular church, we have to go back to Acts chapter 16, and there's similarities there. Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 6 through 40. I want you to read that in your leisure, but we're going to um, lift two particular uh, how-tos uh, that will, will speak to the actual beginning of this particular church, and that is the submission of the Spirit and evangelistic encounters. That's basically uh, was how this church uh, began. You look at Acts chapter 16, and you look um, verses 6 through 10, you'll, you'll see that there was a call uh, for uh, Paul uh, to come. Uh, and it, it talks about how they were moving about. And there is this, this vision, verse 9. You pick up with verse 9. This vision to the apostle Paul. And a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately 
we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, who, who, who was it that actually submitted? Who is it? Well, it's Apostle Paul, and it's the people. Okay? That, that was basically how this started. And you know, when you talk about the stages of church growth, transition of churches, it, 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 is, it is always a move of the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God speaks, then, then the people have to submit to the Spirit of God. Um, not wrestle with the Spirit of God. Uh, not call into question the Spirit of God. But the people have to submit to the Spirit of God. And so here, um, Paul gets this vision. It's from God. And, and Paul submits to it, and the people submit to it. And, and this is how the, um, the church starts. And I want to just say um, to, to each of you that there are always people who are crying out for help. All people, people are in need. There are people who work with you. There are people who live with you. There are people who are in your circle who are crying out for help. And the question becomes, you know, will you, how would you respond to your Macedonian call? Will you wrestle with it? Or will you submit to the Spirit? You have something to offer people. You have your service, you have your gifts, you have your passion, you have your calling. Uh, it, it's not for you. It, it's not for me. It's to the glory of God. And so there are people who are crying out. And, and the question becomes, this is the reason why you and I have to surrender to him daily. Because he knows where the need is. We don't know where the need is. He knows where the need is, and he knows what he has placed in us to fulfill that need. So you have to be sensitive to the Spirit of God so we can submit. You never know what God wants to birth in you. You never know how he wants to use you to be somebody else's new beginning, somebody else's turnaround. Okay? And, and just, as he, as just as he positions people to cry out for help, He's positioning you to respond to the help. But it, it, it takes submission. Notice, pa Paul wasn't even thinking about this. This was not Paul's idea. A lot of the, a lot of the, the, the tasks, a lot of the uh, experiences, a lot of the things that are going to transform your life, it has nothing to do with you. It involves you, but it has nothing to do with you. It's not your idea. It's not my idea. We, we're not that smart. And we're not even that close to God that he has to reveal it to us. No, we're not. But he reveals it. He speaks. And then we respond with submission. So Paul was somewhere else doing something else, and he has this vision, and he has to submit to it. And the people, they also submit to it. So that is kind of how...
this started. But then it goes on, uh, and there were evangelistic uh, encounters. I'm going to put, put these three uh, personalities of individuals up, uh, media. It was Lydia, verses 11 through 15. You to read these. And, and with Lydia, let me just say this. Lydia, when you read those verses 11 through 15, you will see that Lydia was a God uh, worshiper. She was, she, she acknowledged God, but here's the thing. She was not a Christian. She knew the existence of God. She acknowledged the existence of God, but she had not heard the gospel. And until a person hears the gospel, they cannot become a Christ follower. So she knew about God. She acknowledged him as creator, but not the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is another reason why you and I have to position ourselves such that we are submitting to the, 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 the call of the Holy Spirit that we would know who to minister to, how to minister to them. Because just because people acknowledge there is a God does not mean that they have come to a place of saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Then you go on, there is this slave girl and she was being used uh, by others to get a profit from her, demonically possessed and all of that. And yet, her life would be transformed because of the gospel. It's not too late for anybody. It's not too late. I mean, God can save the life of even the most demonically tormented. He can do it. That's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the gospel. And so you and I should position ourselves to be used by God. We never know. We never know how people are being used by systems. And, and processes and, and wickedness and demonic forces. We never know the type of grip these forces have on people. And sometimes all it takes is you telling your story about how Jesus changed your life and how he continues to change you. And see, it's not, it's, it's not it's not you that has the power, but it's him using you. That's where the power. He prepares hearts and minds to receive, just as he prepares us to share. So you have Lydia, heard the gospel. This slave girl who was demonically possessed, saved. And then the jailers, okay, 25 through 34. What must I do to be saved? You know, how do we do this? Paul says, we're all here together. And, and this man and his household, 
are saved. And what is interesting here, Paul and Silas, and th this is how you and I sometimes get in trouble because of our faith. It's not that we're doing the wrong thing. And that's why you got to really know sometimes things happen to you is because God is pleased with you. Not that he's angry at you. He's pleased with you, and he's using you for his glory. And, and here, that is how Paul and Silas is able to sing and pray in prison. <laughs> That's that spirit-produced joy that we were talking about. What was his name? Um, Tertullian, he was a, a, a believer, and he says this. He says... Um, the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. And so regardless of where you are or what you're going through, you can still have the joy of the Lord. And, and in that, you can still be used by God. So this jailer here, Paul and Silas, they're in prison, and they're, 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 they're praising God, and they're praying to God. And this peop these people watch them. They see them. And now that the prison has collapsed, they know their lives. This, it's it, because they were responsible for them. They knew, and they were going to take their own lives. Paul said, nope, we're all here together. Paul shares the gospel. And this man and his household believes. And it's, it is amazing um, how you and I have to make sure that we are hospitable in all situations. That is, no matter how people treat us, no matter what we're going through, we learn to turn the other cheek. Because people are always watching. And you never know what your witness may do and how God may use your witness to change the hearts of others. It, it goes on to say, I think it's around verse 40, where you know, Lydia, Lydia opened the doors of her house and they had fellowship and they ate and all of that. Um, and then in each of these episodes, uh, there was some pain involved. And... Um, what was his name? Um, he talks about um, we wipe people's stripes, um, but God washes people's sins. And that is to say, you know, you, you never know what people are going through, why they act the way they do. And if you are hospitable, if you're, if you're exuding the fruit of the Spirit, you're literally ministering to their aches and their pain. And, and see, you and I can't wash. We can't wash away sins. God can only do that. But our kindness, our generosity, okay, gentle, long-suffering, patience, all of that fruit of the Spirit, that can minister to their wounds. So God has always wanted to use us. Okay? <laughs>
And so this particular, this is how um, the church actually um, started. Submission to the Spirit, Paul and his team, these individuals, then evangelistic encounters of Lydia, slave, the slave girl, and, of course, uh, the jailer. Any questions so far? All right. So now let's move to the message of Philippians. If, if, and here again, we're speaking to the relevance of this particular letter. The message, the Gospels, number one, about six of them, the message of Philippians, the Gospels advancements, advancement will cost you, but Jesus is worth it. Now those passages of Scripture, I want you to read them in your leisure. Here again, every child of God who's living out their faith is going to cost you. But Jesus is worth it. All the suffering, all the difficulties, uh, all the challenges, all the persecution, is, he's worth it. When you consider what he did for you on the cross, what he has done for you post-resurrection, he continues to use you. He continues to care, to provide. I mean, whatever suffering uh, that is our lot, he's worth it. And that is how the gospel advances, okay? Your witness, your testimony, your story. At all times, you are, you are telling your story. Number two, the message here is to fight so fight for joy in Christ. Fight for it. Fight for it. Um, I think it's Psalms 100 talks about serve the Lord with gladness. Serving with gladness. So, so here he's talking about the only thing that is acceptable to God is a joyful attitude. That, that's what he wants. He wants a joyful attitude, a glad heart. That's what he wants. And, and, and that doesn't come easy. Uh, I mean, it's just like you, you, gotta, you have to fight. You have to be dogged, determined to have a positive disposition, not to get caught up in negativity, uh, not, not to be a part of anything that is not going anywhere, a part of something that is going to you know, uh, demean people and, 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 and not um, uh, demonstrate uh, the very fingerprints of God on their lives. You got to fight for that. You know, and we're not talking about positive psychology here. We're talking about spirit-produced joy. Okay? And so you have to fight. You have to fight for it. Because we have an adversary who is against us, but we have an advocate who is for us. So you have to fight for that. Every day you wake up, you got to be determined, you know, this is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. God has ordered my steps in this particular day. I'm not going to be anxious for anything, but I'm going to pray about everything. I am not going to take a thought of what I don't have 
I'm going to thank God for what I do have. So, I mean, it, I mean, you literally got to have these conversations with yourself. You know, get yourself together. You got to get your head right, so to speak. That, that you're fighting for it. Yeah, and some days it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a harder fight than others, but every day it's a fight. Okay? Don't lose your joy. Don't give it away. Another message is maintain the unity of the spirit. You know, you know, relationships, uh, congregations, all of that. You have to maintain unity. So how do we do that? And we're going to uh, talk about this more. But you got there's there's a focus you have to maintain. You got to maintain a focus. And again, it's not about you, but it does involve you okay you gotta maintain focus then you have to also continue to forgive in every relationship you don't just forgive each other one time you got to forgive each other over and over and over again so focus forgiveness but then also faith this is bigger than us we we have a small role to play but it's bigger than us. And so we're going to talk about how to maintain the unity of the spirit. Number four, become a Macedonian giver. I, I mentioned that earlier in terms of helping. There's a passage there, and you have all of this, so you can read this later. But, but you, you have to know somebody is always crying out. And wherever the needs are, that's where you and I want to respond. We want wherever God is. That's where we want to be. Whatever God is doing, we want to be a part of that. So become a Macedonian giver. Learn what uh, gospel partnership looks like. You know, we'll be surprised when we walk through this letter that they want a whole lot of wealthy people. They were just sacrificial. They want a lot of wealthy people. They were just sacrificial. They were sac They were sacrificial. They were cheerful, and they were loyal. Yeah. See, this is why it's so important for Christians to be devoted to Jesus. When you are devoted to Jesus, you can be loyal to his people. But you can't be loyal to people okay, when you're not devoted to Jesus. What you'll do is, You'll, you'll pick and choose who you're going to be loyal to based upon who you like. You've got to be devoted to Jesus. And when you're devoted to Jesus, you'll be loyal to his people. Okay? That's what these people were. They, they were not the wealthiest, no. But they were sacrificial, they were cheerful, and they were loyal. All because of their devotion to, uh, to Jesus. Here's another one. Again, learn what gospel partnership looks like. And then the last one, give the world a picture of the coming kingdom of God. You know, one of, the, one of the statements we make once a month is light and salt. That, that's, that's, I mean, that's who we are. You know, that light and salt. And so, and so, the world needs a picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. 
And the church has this amazing opportunity to give them a picture. Okay? We, we help people kind of find their way through life. Light. Salt is that we, we continue to add value to people's lives. We build them up. You know, don't throw your life away. There is so much more you have to offer because God's fingerprint is on your life. I mean, so, we, so we give them a picture. That's why it's so important that the church is together. The church is on the same page. The church continues to love each other and demonstrate that. And so that, that's why the Great Commission and the uh, New Commandment, Beatitudes. That's why all of that has to be lived out so that we can provide a picture in real time of the kingdom of God. And, we, and, and people want to be part. You see, this world is not our home. No, we, you know, this, our citizenship is up there. And the kingdom of heaven is, is in us, but it comes out of us. It comes from us. People see it in us. And so so that's, that's what we live out, and we, and we provide them a picture. Let me give you this, and then we're done. I want you to imagine that it's Valentine's Day, and uh, you decided you're going to take your boo, okay, five-star restaurant, and see um, latest movie. And they respond to you, with, oh, that's so sweet. Why are you doing it? And your response is, because I have to. Everybody else is doing it, and so I'm doing it. This is just what you do because it's Valentine's Day. That's the wrong response. Here's a better response. Nothing else gives me pleasure than to serve you. Nothing gives me more pleasure than to in some way see you smile. Nothing gives me more pleasure than to know for a moment you're happy. See, that is the type of attitude that God calls for. It's a joyful attitude. It's not I have to serve God. It's not that. It is I get to serve God. Serving God with an attitude does not honor God. Serving God because we have to does not honor him. It does not honor him. Just like taking your boo to dinner and a movie because you have to. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't honor them that way. That's not honorable. And so this message from this letter is calling for believers to offer honorable service to God. 
honorable service is, is this spirit-produced joy. No matter where we are, no matter what is happening, no matter what we don't know, no matter what we don't understand, we still provide honor, service that is honorable to him because of who he is. I hope uh, that you're, you're on for the long haul. I don't know how long uh, this series will last, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this book is, has so much, this letter has so much to say to us in the here and now, has so much to speak to us about life. In fact, they say that there are, these are life verses, so to speak, uh, in, the, in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. So do we have any questions? Okay. Remember, remember, uh, we have tomorrow's session will be the same as today. But going forward, Tuesday will be a recap. And it will remind us, it will prepare us for the new information that will be shared on Wednesday.